0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, I'm talking to an entrepreneur who has an itch that he just continually needs to scratch. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's doing some really exciting and cool things, and I'm very excited to learn more about his business. But before we get into that, I want to welcome Jason Raposa. He is the founder and CEO of Goodfills. Welcome to the program, Jason.
1: Thank you so much, Lance. Thanks.
0: Okay, so before we get into the story uh, and what your business is all about, tell me what are three things that you think every entrepreneur needs to know?
1: Um, let's see. So I would, there's, there's a few things that I always kind of tap into. So if you're a first-time entrepreneur, I would always say try to learn as much as you can about the individual jobs that are part of your journey. So for instance, I'm mm. in CPG, Consumer Packaged Goods. So try to learn how to make the product yourself, right? So if you learn the job yourself and you can kind of go to that depth, then that means you can hire really, really good because you know exactly how the job is done. Yeah. Uh, number two, I'd say is to do an MVP. That's a tech term, but minimal viable product. Basically test the thesis of your idea without outlaying a ton of cash, right? Make sure that people actually want it, that people is a product market fit, uh, you know, approaching product, product, product market fit to make sure that people are actually going to be buying your product. Cause if nobody buys it, then you're dead in the water right there. Um, with that said, the third part of that, I probably the third answer, uh, for that one is also d- don't build something without doing like a, a mom test or the equivalent. If you're familiar with a mom test, basically you gotta, you gotta figure out if people are actually going to buy this thing. So I guess two and three are kind of like similar.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely, and I, I think you're you're bang on. I mean, any time that you're creating anything, if you don't have an audience that's going to actually be purchasing that. You're you're going to be really starting from a really difficult position, and so get that minimal viable product, like you said, out the door. Make sure that there are people that are going to respond well to it. And uh, I would actually uh, the instead of using mom because the mom test is kind of a, a bit of a misnomer, I find yes, uh, too, because you don't want your mom doing it because she's going to be like, oh, this is wonderful, Jason, I love it, uh, yeah, and she's because she's always going to be your your biggest cheerleader. So um, well, that's
1: the. That's the term though. It's just called a mom test, but it's what you're basically saying where it's like, if you, if you talk to your mom, she loves you. So she's going to say, this is a wonderful idea, honey. Uh, But in reality, you have to ask questions without basically showing your entire product to somebody saying like, Hey, would you buy this thing? Instead, you've got to ask, tease out those, you know, ask the questions that teases out the answer that inevitably leads them to believe that your solution is actually the solution that they need.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about good feels then. Uh, There's probably a lot of people on this call or who are listening to this call, I mean, who probably haven't heard of your company and what it is that you guys are trying to accomplish over there. So what do you got going on? Uh, oh, good feels is a cannabis,
1: uh, licensed cannabis operator in Massachusetts, uh, the Massachusetts market. And in the United States, we do it state by state. So we're licensed in the Massachusetts market, but we make cannabis beverages and beverage enhancers. So today we are building a, we have five beverage SKUs, RTDs, ready to drink, uh, beverages. They come in a 12 ounce glass bottle. Uh, I happen to have one right here. So. Awesome. This is our summer seasonal. We, uh, this is off market now because it's just for the summer. Our fall seasonal just got launched a few weeks ago and we we're selling through those pretty, pretty fast. Um, and basically that's a cannabis infused seltzer. Now that's obviously kind of a new kind of thing that's just come out. Uh, we've been working on it for over two years though at this point.
0: Really cool. And so is that where you got your start or was it more on the um, the drops or the...
1: Yeah, the drops. So we originally, all the formulations started in drops. And the, the reason why is because to make seltzer was a little bit foreign. Uh, I'm not like a food scientist, right? So I kind of, I'm an engineer and I hack. And so like, I'll eventually get to that solution and I can tell the whole story about how I eventually got into bottles. But yes, we did start with the drops first. And the reason why was because, you know, MVP, it's like you have a tincture bottle of Amazon. It costs you like maybe a dollar per tincture bottle. You come up with some formulations, you throw it in the tincture bottle and you throw it around and you sample with people and say like, hey, do you like this or not? Right. The technology itself is a little more advanced than that. But that's kind of like where we started, because, again, in the spirit of MVP, I was trying not to outlay a ton of cash just to prove this out.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. And the flexibility then also of that, where people can add it to their sparkling water, their soda stream, or, or uh, yeah, like any type yeah. of uh, flavored beverage as well. Because I think if I read it correctly, it's flavorless, right? Uh, There's uh, a, f- we have three.
1: And so one is flavorless and the other two have flavor. So one's lemon lime and one's raspberry. The lemon lime is kind of like a squeeze of lemon in your drink. So like in an iced tea, yeah. it goes really nicely. Cause not everybody yeah. likes seltzer. Cause it's, even though our, our beverages are purpose built, and just a wonderful experience on their own. It is a carbonated beverage. and not everybody likes carbonation. And so we developed the, we also introduced the beverage enhancer because people like iced tea or lemonade or whatever, and they squeeze that little bit of lemon in there and it infuses it instantly. With that said, the flavorless is actually our most popular skew in that line. And that's because the diversity, right? The, the actual places you can put this is, is innumerable. There is, I put it in, cereal i put it in hot sauce i put it in salad dressing i put it in any imaginable drink you can you can think of
0: wow yeah into uh cereal that's quite the quite the start to the day eh? yeah
1: well that's how i finish my day actually my day ends with a bowl of cereal just because uh although i am vegan I had that sweet tooth. So all not vegans are funny because it's like (laughs) they're junk food vegans everywhere. You know what I mean? I'm kind of like one of them. I started plant-based and I started like vegetables all day and all sorts. Eventually I was just like, I'm too busy, like cereal at the end of the day, I'm good.
0: (laughs) So so tell me a little bit about the journey to getting this business off the ground because in a regulated industry, it's uh there's it comes with a whole pile of other kinds of challenges as well. So walk me through some of those early day challenges that you had to overcome.
1: It's it's not for the faint of heart. Um, yeah. We took us about 18 months to actually launch. So to sell our first product. So yeah. you can imagine, right? Like you're paying payroll, you've got leases, you've got products sitting on your shelves, just sitting there waiting to go out the door. So, but we've had so, so many trials and tribulations. It's It's been a phenomenal kind of experience and an awesome experience at the same time in the sense that, you know, we built it during the pandemic. And so supply chain issues. You know, the regulations are gray, even though it's a highly regulated industry, it depends on your inspector. Some inspectors will come in and say, Hey, you can't do that. And other inspectors won't even bat an eyelash. Right. So it depends. It's, it's, it's very gray. They're understaffed a little bit, so they don't have enough inspectors to come out here all the time. But some of the earlier, earlier issues that we had specifically were Um, around sourcing just building materials, right? So we got delayed several months just because of building materials, right? Cause we work really fast. I'm from technology. So the motto in technology in often cases is move fast and break things, right? Yeah. And so applying that same thing to a CPG product is, you know, not, not in your best interest most of the time because you don't want to break anything because it's CPG because you have to really have a really strong brand behind it. You have to really take time to build it, right? But when it comes to the actual build out of the facility, Oh, forget it. Like even finding a place was just finding a place because in the highly regulated industry, you can't just go into the, you know, you can't do it out of your house and you can't go to the corner, like open lot and be like, Hey, I'm just going to choose that spot. There are very special designated areas that you can do this in. And inside that area, all the landlords know that they've got this golden ticket. And so anytime you mention the word cannabis, they double, triple their rent. I had one operator said you know $8 a square foot. I said, "All right, just so you know, try to be totally tr- tr- transparent with you cuz we do everything above board here. We are in cannabis and so we'll be using this as a cannabis manufacturing facility." He goes, "Okay, great. Sends me the contract, $15 a square foot." Jeez. So it's like it's it's everybody thinks we're floating in money, and we're swimming in cash when we're in this industry, but it's simply not true. Yeah. So, especially as a small-time operator like myself who is self-funding this, I was sticker shock every time I would mention the word cannabis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really unfortunate, right? Because I mean, it's obviously going to thwart a lot of innovation and and the startups. It's going to be, it just makes things that much more difficult. But I guess once you get rolling, it becomes then a little bit of a, uh, you know, you you kind of have a wall around your successful business then a little bit too, because the entry is going to be a little bit more difficult for those coming in later.
1: Yeah, we have that. We have that built-in moat where we have we're a fully licensed operator, and we have you know we've been in market now for like eight months. But now that we're here, you're right. We there is obviously some some of that you know advantage that we have now over other people. With that said, though, we're very welcoming. Um, I I talk to so many people who are trying to get into the industry, and I try to help as much as I can.
0: Yeah, well, and that that leads into I think a comment that you made before we hit the record button was just talking about the the loneliness of being a CEO, the loneliness of being an entrepreneur. Uh, it's a lot of ch- a lot of challenges there. Just to you know, kind of have that network around you that you can talk to that they can relate to, right? And so I'd imagine a lot of the collaboration is a lot a lot driven by that. It's it's uh, yeah. it's nice to be talking about business with other people who are maybe in the same space as what you are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like we have, so I'll talk to founders occasionally who feel the same way where they're just on this island and they're just like, I have, I can't talk to my employees about these specific issues because A, maybe sometimes they're about the employee themselves or B, it's because it's financial related or it's investors or boards or something like that. And, you know, or vendors are coming back to them and saying like, Hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, we have to renegotiate terms and all this other stuff. So in many cases, it's a common theme, absolutely, inside this. And so whoever's coming up in the industry, but also just people who are in the industry themselves, I try to align myself with as many people as I can who are just kind of upstanding people who are just trying to get something done in this world, because it is so hard to do that like any support I can give to somebody, I'm definitely willing to give it.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's so true, right? Like in terms of uh, the journey itself, uh, for any businesses, doesn't matter if it's a regulated or non-regulated industry, uh, there's that valley of death that they talk about where 80% of small businesses die in the first five uh, years. And it's probably higher than that, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it is one of those things where uh, if if you can give somebody a little bit of support because you've gone through it yourself and you understand that um, it's just a super rewarding thing to do and that's part of the reason why we do this show is to try to give a little bit of a platform for small businesses but then also build that community as well right and and so i'm, I'm a little curious about the things that you bring to the table uh from the the background of the app i think you said you're 20 plus years as a programmer in the it uh or technology space and so what advantages do you think you've been able to apply from that experience uh, to a consumer packaged goods business? Sure, um, not IT. That's my
1: little geek coming up like, not IT, not IT. I'm a programmer, <laughs> um, technologist, computer scientist, engineer. Yeah. But uh, that's a common thing that people say. So the, what I leverage most is just my, my operation ex, operational excellence. But beyond that, you know, making, sh- you know, just the, the basics of being able to understand a PL and l and a balance sheet and j- making sure that like everything's, you know, all the numbers add up and they're going to the right spots. Being able to leverage negotiating with vendors. I've gone to vendors, back to vendors many times and saying like, we've got to do better, we've got to do better. So negotiation skills come in handy all the time. Um, but on the engineering side, really what it comes down to is we're a food uh, and beverage tech company. So mm-hmm. everything we do is tech driven. So everything we're talking about, you know, we're in the lab nonstop. R and D left and right. We'd have at least five or six products we could launch any day now. Um, hmm. If we had the right, you know, if we had all, if we procured all of the, you know, packaging and all this other stuff besides that point, we have ready to go stuff that is literally something that people would love in this market. But we hold on to it because it's not it's not time yet. And so that's a lot of it, right? But that's my background and that's what I love to do. Uh, I love to be in the lab with the team and just like iterate over different ideas and talk through like, what if we did this? What if we did that? All right, tomorrow we're going to have these five experiments. Let's run these experiments and let's see what comes out. And then we, what we do is, and this is something that many companies do not do in this industry because they don't come from a CPG background or a business background. They're just cannabis people, or maybe they're coming through like a heavy finance background. They just have a lot of money. They're just trying to get into the market. But we take a real strong CPG lens at this where we are constantly focus grouping, right? We are one-on-ones surveying focus groups. We really ask really hard questions Mm -hmm. so we can shine the light on our own products to make sure that we actually are putting out something that people are going to want because we're not doing this exercise because even today, people in the industry still feel this way. As long as you have the word, you know, as long as you have a cannabis product, it'll sell. But at the end of the day, like there's more competition coming online all the time and you have to be able to differentiate yourself on the shelf. So for us, it's like really taking a hard look to make sure that people are really going to want this and finding the gaps in the market through our research also to figure out where these products will fit into the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the things that I noticed on your website is that uh, you're strictly wholesale. So you're not doing any retail. Uh, Is that? a strategic decision or was that a regulatory issue?
1: That's a regulatory issue. So we have some, there's some technology that does exist that allows us to go closer to the consumer. Is it true D2C? Not exactly, but yeah. So basically the regular regulation uh, side of it is causing us to not go direct to consumers. And believe me, I get asked once a week, people ask me like, Hey, can I just buy it from you? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. You have to go to dispensaries. You have to actually go to the store and buy it because I'm risking my license for what, like a hundred dollars. Like it's yeah. not worth it, obviously. Yeah. We've already built so much into this and we've spent so much time and effort building this thing. I'm not risking it to help a friend out, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, so I'm curious about that then because that's a, a restriction, but you were also talking about the focus that you have and that also uh, forces you to focus then on one channel of uh, distribution. Do you find that mm-hmm. helpful or do you, or would you have preferred that flexibility at the beginning too? Um,
1: a little bit from column a and a little bit from column b and yeah. the reason why is because it's great to focus on there's only 240 stores in massachusetts that's it okay. um and we're in over 60 we're approaching 70 now as of this month we just scored some really big ones uh over the last few days so we're getting we're approaching 70 which again is almost a third of the market so to focus on have a, such a small list of co- stores to go after yeah. is fantastic with that said A lot of other brands are also going after these stores too. So it's up to us to, you know, so we're constantly gaining, I feel for the companies are maybe not gaining as fast as we are. But, um, but that's what it takes to get in there is you have to be aggressive. You have to be on top of these people. You have to give them uninfused samples. You have to make sure you're wine and dine them a little bit to be able to make sure that they, you know, get the attention that we're, that they need because you know, it's very easy to put a product on the shelf, but you have to go in there and support it too. And our marketing team will go and support all of our products. And so that goes a long way with them because it helps them sell. Yeah. Column B, unfortunately, is the fact that if we were D2C, my background is in advertising. So I have all these levers to turn just to like, all right, let's do some Facebook campaigns. And all of a sudden we were selling, you know, 10,000 units a week or something like that. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have access to those levers, but when they are available to me, I'll obviously take
0: advantage of them yeah and so that is is the plan then the expansion plan is to mm-hmm. to go into the to the b2c then space direct yep. to consumer yeah exactly uh, no uh out of curiosity because i don't know the american market is it difficult for you to be uh wholesaling into other states is that part of the regulations where it's it has to be produced yeah. in the state what you're selling it
1: exactly so the latter so it has to whatever you produce in the state uh everything you sell in the state has to be produced in the state if you to go across state borders, that's a federal thing. So that's where it gets really tricky. And then every state is different. So people talk about federal legality all the time. Federal legality when it comes is gonna be a hot mess because every state is different. And so most likely they're gonna, the way it's gonna roll out is gonna be different. Uh, it's gonna be more like to the hemp program where the federal government is gonna come up with like a base set of requirements of like, hey, you have to, here, here's what is allowed. And then every state kind of has to have like a complying policy. And then they can change smaller details here and there. But for the most part, it has to be like that base standard has to be met, which is how the hemp world works. But going into other states is something that is becoming a lot easier now, because now we actually start thinking, you know, co-manufacturers are starting to pop up, distributors are starting to pop up, like all these, you know, I wouldn't say ancillary, but all of these uh, helping helpers for brands are popping up in these individual states. And so We actually have discussions with several states right now where in active discussions with bringing our products there. Not because we would build a facility from scratch and get our own license, but we would license our brands to these co-packers to be able to go in there and manufacture up to our specifications. And then we'd be into those markets as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, really interesting. And is it gonna be, uh, you know, just staying within the, the drops and the seltzers or are you going to also look at expanding the product line as well?
1: Mm, very good question. Yes, we are actually. <laughs> so um, beverages is kind of where my heart is. And so, but it's a long term play. Beverages right now only make up 1% or 2% of revenue of of cannabis, right? So it's it's fairly on the small side. Massachusetts does a little bit better. It's one of the states that does have a higher um, amount of beverages being sold on a per, you know, per transaction basis. However, uh, the beverage enhancer does phenomenal, right? So for us, we're selling tons and tons of beverage enhancers because that is a really great consumer value because it's multiple servings right
0: mm-hmm. so
1: there's that but beyond that we do have other products we'll be launching in 2023 uh including non-beverage products which is yeah. a new announcement to many people who may be watching this
0: <laughs> awesome well very exciting. i'm glad that we got the scoop on that one mm-hmm. so i i'm curious you know You've been at this now, I think you said, you started in August of 2020, right? So kind of in the early days of the pandemic. Um, was there anything about the pandemic that made the business easier or more difficult? I mean, imagine, that, again, it's a little bit of column A, column B. Um, but uh, yeah, just from your experience through that, starting a business in that environment, Um, again, did it allow you just to have that hyper-focus that that you are really, you know, appreciative of, or was it something that you felt really um, impacted your growth?
1: Uh, It definitely impacted our growth because we should have been launched in 2021. We ended up launching eventually in 2022. So if we were earlier in the market, I anticipated launching, you know, early to mid 2021, but then construction battles, all the other stuff happened. So for the yeah. most part, it was harder. The focus part is a good point, though. When you bring up focus, it was great to be able to focus and really fine-tune things. And, you know, our team, the way we we're operating at that point was, it was great. We were, we were all just sitting in a room talking about, you know, labels, talking about packaging, talking about like, okay, so let's do this focus group with this. And I built my own bottling machine during the pandemic because... I, I, I was like, well, I've I've got to learn how to make seltzer, right? So let's figure out how, like, how this works. Cause of course you can hire a brewer, uh, or a seltzer maker and then you can buy the equipment and have them run it. But like, I just love to go deep into subjects. And so let me figure it out first and then reverse back into it. So I can have a really educated conversation with the person who I'm going to hire. And if anything happens during the process, maybe I've already seen it before and I can help out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So some parts were easier. Um, but more harder than easier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very interesting. Um, I'm also curious, you know, as an entrepreneur, you talked about that lonely journey at times, but um, there's also like we need to be inspired. We need to be inspired to start the business. We need to be inspired to keep at the business right and, and getting of each day, because when you're wearing all the hats uh, in the early days, there's a lot of things that uh, can be frustrating. And so where do you find your inspiration? Or, or what inspires you either who or what yeah this is
1: uh, this is a question that because there's dark lonely lonely days and yeah. you know sometimes i'll talk to my wife about like what's going on but sometimes i'll just keep it inside um because it's like why do i want to bum people up with my issues you know yep but what gets me up every day is i hear stories about how wonderful people love our how much they love our products and how Ooh wonderful that they think it is and we get emails every week about i had hip surgery and i've tried my the good feels drops and now i like my i feel so much better my recovery is going so much better there's a lot less pain all these things because the three reasons why people use cannabis to this day people think it's recreational and all these things and yeah it is of course but the number the top three reasons are sleep pain and stress Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I suffer from a lot of stress, which was how I even got here. Right. But when it comes to, uh, you know, getting these emails every day, it's super inspirational. And in fact, I'm not going to mention any names, but I was at MJ BizCon, which is the biggest conference. It, it's held in Las Vegas every year. It's the biggest cannabis conference of its kind uh, every year. And somebody came up to me who uh, knew me. And I think they were connected somehow, but came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder and recognized the white glasses. And they were like, Jason, right? I go, yeah, that's me. He goes, I just want to tell you that, you know, three, three months ago, my grandfather was, you know, given kind of like a a short sentence kind of thing on cancer. And he started taking your products reluctantly because he was against cannabis for the longest time. And now he's, he's literally recovering from it. And so I'm like, that's, and don't get me wrong it's cannabis that did it, not my products. I'm just happy. I'm glad they use my products to, to have that. But like yeah. stuff like that, I hugged him immediately and I got emotional because I was like, that's such an amazing story. And that's why I do it because it can touch people's lives. And I'm a better person for having used cannabis than not. Everything I've done since I've started this company and used cannabis has made me a better person. And without yeah. a doubt, If I would have to do it all over again, I would 100% probably would have started sooner in reality because I'm not a legacy cannabis consumer. I'm, you know, I'm i the DARE generation where people were like, you can't do this and you're the, you're the devil if you do it and all this other stuff. And I was just like, no, no, no. And maybe, you know, dabbled in college a little bit, but didn't really affect me in any way. It took me literally like 20 years before I even had cannabis in any serious capacity and it changed my life.
0: Yeah now that's a why right there that's the why statement eh? like that's a that's a big one when you start talking about the impact that your product can have on people yeah yeah very inspiring so if you were to write yourself a letter your younger self so the person who was starting the business back in august of 2020 what would be in that letter if you could send it back in time
1: um my younger self or just august 2020 (laughs) those are two different people (laughs) Well,
0: I mean, you were younger then. I'm talking about the <laughs> August 2020 or, right. or yeah, 20 version of you, I guess.
1: Right, the 2020 version probably would be. Um, oh man, there's so many things though. But at the end of the day, like I just go past them. You can there's 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 always going to be a blocker in your way, and I tell the team all the time: you can go over it, you can go around it, you can go through it. And so it's up to you to determine what the strategy is. But every time there's a problem that the team brings up to me, I'm always just like, there's a way around this. Let's how do we get around this? And we always try to strategize. But back in August 2020, I probably would have said, it's going to be bigger than you think. It's going to cost more. It's going to take more time. And it's going to be way bigger than you think because cannabis beverages were barely a thing when I started. I'm talking about like late 2019, early 2020, when I actually started looking into different formulations, because when I had my medical issue in 2019 and this technology helped me so much, I said, and then I sold my companies, then I was like, maybe I should probably look into this a little bit. And eventually when I started like dabbling with different experiments in, you know, early 2020, because I didn't formally incorporate until August, 2020, I, you know, I just really, I was just like, let me do an MVP. That's what it was. So number two in that list, MVP. I was like, let me do an MVP. Let me find a little small space. Let me try to do something small. But in reality, it literally blew up around me. All of a sudden, there was, you know, uh, big companies were coming in and acquiring one acquisition that happened in Massachusetts alone. $60 million acquisition, right, wow. in all consideration. So, and that was seven months after they launched. So for me, I was just like, what is going on? So all of a sudden it was just like, now we're getting orders in and there are bigger orders. And I'm like, oh boy, like, like it's really taking off. And I'm like, man, I wish I had a bigger space. <laughs> so get a bigger space, Um, you know, skip the MVP and just go whole hog into it because you would have saved yourself a lot of headache, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. Knowing what you know now, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I'm I'm curious because like hearing the stories about the 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 big you know all the things that were happening in those early days, and it was really a, a land grab, right? Where uh, all these companies were trying to get in, and the big sixty million dollar deals, and so on. What does success look like to you? How are you going to define your success?
1: Um. Well, the company that sold for sixty million, I think they sold too early, to be honest. So it's a long-term play beverages are a long-term play without a doubt. Uh, this was the way I've always presented this to people is this is my next 10 year thing. This is like for the next 10 years, I'm going to be doing this like whatever it takes to grow it. And it's not going to be from lack of trying because yep. I'm out there every day mm-hmm. pounding out the pavement. I'm doing sales calls. I'm doing marketing initiatives. I'm helping out on, I've got an event tomorrow night, for instance, that I'll be manning the booth. And I'm just going to be there giving out samples and stuff like that. I'm doing everything I can, including securing investors, talking to multiple states, everything I can, and it's not going to let up success. Success to me specifically means, and this is more about the, the freedom of the plant itself means that I can take, uh, I can hop on a train, go to New York city and my products are being served at like a bar.
0: Mm.
1: When I see my bottles on tap or on a, on, on the bar top. That's success. When I see that vision and that's still and that's embedded in my, that's like branded into my brain right now. If once I see that happen, I know I've really accomplished something because yeah, yeah. I come from the tech world. I dealt with zeros and ones my entire life. I'd never made anything physical before. I get so much pride going into a dispensary and seeing my product on the shelf. Yeah. Nothing makes me happier. Yeah. Now let's put it, let's get it federally legal let's put it where it should be because these are low dose. It's not like you're, you drink one and all of a sudden you're incapacitated. And you have to go home. You drink one, you just feel relaxed, uh, especially with our specific formulation. It's like a beer. So for us, it's like, it should be alongside alcohol at some point. It just will be because beverages, right? Not only yeah. nobody's going to be grinding up flour and smoking in front of you. It's not about that. It's about just being part of the party.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great uh, definition of success. And, and I, you know what you said there in terms of the abstract world in which you were once in, and now it's a very tangible, uh, you know, physical product that you have that is giving people joy right away. Uh, I, I I can see how that would just be incredibly rewarding uh, for you to to come into this world from where you were before. Yeah. That's really exciting. So in terms of the, uh, the the future then for what you've got going there, you're looking, yeah, hopefully expanding into other other uh, states. You're looking potentially into some direct-to-consumer and some new products. It sounds like you got a lot going on. How do you as an entrepreneur manage all of those growth ideas? And still, what you were talking about earlier, going back to that focus theme, And still be able to focus right because there's Mm -hmm. so many opportunities that it sounds like are right there around the corner for you
1: yeah i like to i'm in that philosophy of stick as many fishing poles in the water as you can yeah because you never know what's going to come back some of it just might not work out the term sheets don't look good for this you know licensing deal in a different state or but we all we all know that this is you know for us it's cash flow. It's like, how do we cash flow this effectively? And how, like, what are our opportunities and what do they look like and stuff like that? So where, um, we are fast to act when it's right, but it takes a long time of research and mm-hmm. figuring it out to make sure we actually are doing the right thing to before we make that action. Because if we were just to make, you know, if we were just action oriented and we just did everything under the sun, that's a waste of time. That's one of the ways people, especially in the CPG world, they can. You can kill a companies by just creating more SKUs, right? Yeah. We have seven, eight SKUs right now, but they're all just two product formats, right? So there's different variations on these, you know, basically two core products. And we're very reluctant, but we're going to release a third product format in maybe like February of next year. So to be focused is, you know, um, there's a mis-, mis, not misnomer, but there's a lot of people think they are good at, uh, you know, uh, what's the word for it? Multitasking. Yeah. There's no such thing as multitasking, in my opinion. I'm really good at context switching, though. Mm
0: -hmm. So,
1: we're doing this right now. Right after we get off this, I'm going to go into my next thing and I'm going to be my context switched. I'm going to go right into that. Again, I'm analytical. I'm a programmer. So, I'm like wired that way, but I don't really have downtime. You know, I'm have downtime with my family, but when I'm not with my family, I'm 100% on all the time for everybody. And sometimes it could be draining, but for the most part, I'm enjoying this. This is like, you know, this is outside of the, you know, moments of like, you know, bringing in investors and getting all the rejection because investor it's like dating. It's just like, oh, am I, you know, is this a good fit or not? And stuff like that. And if it's not a good fit, you feel rejected for a moment. But I give myself 30 seconds of rejection and then I move on because you can't dwell on it. You can't just keep on going. And so... uh you know, it's kind of I don't want to compare myself to a shark, but when you when a shark starts, stops swimming, they die. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now. It's like we're always just punt on the hunt, like what are the opportunities out there? And we would be very selective with which oppor- which opportunities we want to go down because we've got a really good thing with what we have already. And we are going to continue to grow this. But while that's growing, while that's gesticulating and trying to grow into something beautiful, um we're going to just be looking always at more opportunities and bringing our products to new states is just an extension and not necessarily like a new skew or anything like that
0: yeah yeah i love the analogy of the shark because I, i i mean any business you have to be moving you have to otherwise you die if you're not growing in some form or another if you're not expanding if you're not finding new opportunities trying to seek that out yeah, it's, it's really tough to survive. So I really, really appreciate that analogy. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story, Jason. It's, uh, just wonderful to hear what's happening down there in in this space and a regulated space and some of the challenges that comes with that, but then also some of the opportunities and just the excitement that you have for the things that you're doing. So I really appreciate you and what you're accomplishing as an entrepreneur. It's exciting.
1: Thank you so much, Lance. Thank you for the time to, uh, that you allowed me to have this time to explain to you kind of what our vision is of what the future of cannabis looks like.
0: So now in that, uh, you know, the spirit of community building and connections and everything else, if somebody wanted to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way to do so?
1: Um, I'm available everywhere. So Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, my email address is just Jason at GetGoodFeels dot I read every email. I'd never let a get an email go by me. I'm an inbox zero guy. So <laughs> I, uh, I have to read them all, but basically, you know, LinkedIn is really good. So if you just Google my name, LinkedIn probably should pop up first and I'm very active there. I've got lots of followers and get lots of views on my on my activity there. So that's the Agreed. best way to follow up with me. And we are looking obviously for investors as well as partners in different states and, you know, all that fun stuff.
0: Excellent. There you go. Reach out, everybody. And uh, if you like this episode and you want to check out some of our past episodes as well as all the future ones, head over to AmplifyYourBusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find... All of our episodes and also if you're watching this and would prefer to be listening to it so you can be a little bit more mobile, just search amplify your business on your favorite podcasting platform and you're going to be able to find us there as well. So next, until next time, everybody have a prosperous, wonderful day.